This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. The most memorable interviews and listener calls from the week that was on Fight Back with Libby Snymer. Welcome to the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Saturday edition of the best of Fight Back from the week that was. We all remember the horrific stories that came out of Ontario's long-term care sector during the first two waves of the COVID pandemic. Well, now, two years later, there have been no major moves by either the provincial or federal government to fix long-term care. Liberal MP Hetty Fry is trying to change this. The longest-serving woman member of parliament introduced a private bill last month that would amend Section 215 of the Criminal Code to specifically criminalize owners and managers of long-term care homes for failing to provide the necessaries of life to vulnerable adults. Her intention, she says, is to prevent the failures of long-term care during the pandemic from ever happening again. While filling in for Libby on Monday, I asked our Zoomer squad their thoughts on this. Bill Van Gorder is Chief Policy and Chief Operating Officer at CARP. David Kravit is Chief Membership Officer at CARP and Vice President here at Zoomer Media. And John Wright is Executive Vice President of Maru Public Opinion. Well, I think it not only should apply to what's happened during the pandemic, but over the next decade, the increase of use of long-term care homes by residents is going to be very, very significant, and there's going to have to be a an expansion anyway. So building something like this in is, is a good thing. The only question I have is whether or not it is redundant in certain places. And I go back to, you know, the fact that Peel Regional Police had laid 11 counts uh, against Colin you know, Christian Holmes Grace Manor during the pandemic after the military made its report. They, there were 11 counts of uh, criminal uh, charges laid against the necessities, not being able to provide the necessities of life. So I guess if this is a federal uh, law, which then applies to all federally licensed caregivers or something along that path. I guess that's all good for the, you know, as you can get. But I wonder whether or not some of this already exists. And what it means is that the police and others should be following up on whatever complaints there are even today and laying charges if it's possible to. And, it, and clearly, uh, you know, it can be laid because it has taken place already. Certainly admirable that this MP wants to do something about it, but what are your thoughts? Well, I think it is admirable. I think the intent is fine, but I would sound a note of caution on the law, another law, which is called the law of unintended consequences. And I think if you, um, unless you are very precise, unless you do a lot of training, in what to identify, including training the cops and the prosecutors on you know, what to look for and wh- where does neglect become criminal neglect, mm-hmm. what is not cap- captured by the current laws. But if, if managers and operators of nursing homes are facing jail time, then you're going to see defensive measurements undertaken that I don't think are going to be good for that sector and for the residents in lots of other ways. You're going to see defensive steps being taken, uh, perhaps more restrictions on how many people they admit, 
uh, all kinds of uh, if, if jail is the consequence. What if I what if I'm trying my hardest and I just mess up? Now it's a crime absent criminal intent. So I think she's opening a whole Pandora's box here. I'm not really sure that it's all going to work out the way she thinks. Uh, Bill, she says, Hetty Fry says that the Justice Minister, David Lametti, does not have any problem with the bill. And she answered positively when asked whether she believes the government is on board with the approach. It seems like this is something that NDP leader Jagmeet Singh would be on board with. Um, what do you think CARP members would think about this? Well, I think on the surface, they'd think that this was a good idea to have uh, uh, some uh, some law with teeth in it. But they would also say, look, there are uh, there have already been rules in place in various provinces that weren't enforced. Inspections weren't done. How are we going to know? David pointed out very clearly that uh, uh, there were there were cases before that weren't uh, followed through. And that whole issue of the federal government getting involved in a health issue, which is uh, uh, which is a provincial issue, I think uh, I, I'm afraid our members would think this is lovely window dressing. It sounds good. It's coming from Hetty Fry, who everybody uh, respects Dr. Hetty Fry, uh, but frankly, uh, will it have any real effect in, in the long run? Uh, probably, uh, uh, probably not. And what we need to do is make sure that the current frontline inspections and enforcement gets uh, done uh, province by province before uh, the feds get in and start uh, uh, creating another whole line of thought and controversy. Bill Van Gorder, Chief Policy and Chief Operating Officer at CARP. David Kravitz, Chief Membership Officer at CARP and Vice President at Zoomer Media. And John Wright is Executive Vice President of Maru Public Opinion. This is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. On Monday, Patrick Brown was joined by his wife Genevieve and their two young children as he registered to run for re-election as Brampton's mayor. The formal move to try for four more years in the GTA municipality comes after he was unceremoniously disqualified from the federal conservative leadership race. Brown is continuing his appeal of the disqualification, but says he is now officially out of the contest for the next leader of the federal conservative party. Soon after he made the announcement, I was joined to discuss the development by Christina Midas, vice president at Upstream Strategy Group and former PC MPP for Scarborough Center, and Aleem Kanji, principal of government relations firm Aleem Kanji and Associates. There really is no recourse as set in the rules uh, in running for the leader of the progressive conservatives for Mr. Brown to uh, to seek uh, recourse. He's doing this to clear his name. Uh, I don't think there's any any doubt there. The same way he sought to clear his name four years ago uh, when uh, uh, he exited from the provincial uh, conservative leadership race. Let's make one thing clear. Patrick Brown has more lives than a cat. <laughs> all right, and and I and I didn't think I don't think this is a surprise that he's re-entered the race. Uh, to uh, uh, continue on in his term for the next four years as the mayor of Brampton. Um, there are those that, that like him there. There are those that, that don't. There is, that is the same for, for many 
many politicians, but the power of incumbency in municipal politics is 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 very strong. And mm-hmm. I I think he's got a great shot to win. He is by far, in my mind, I'll leave you with this singer. He is the most popular brown guy in, in Brampton right now. There's no question on that. <laughs> because it is a multicultural mosaic in Brampton, right? I think I can say that safely to your, your listeners. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, that power of incumbency is going to propel him to uh, to victory in, in 99 days. Christina, is this a consolation prize for Patrick Brown running for re-election in Brampton when you look at his long-term political aspirations that he may have? You know, I think that Patrick was always going to run for mayor of Brampton. I, when the membership numbers were coming in, he and his team knew that he did not have a path to victory. And so I think he's happy right now because this was always the plan. He was always going to run for mayor. And I do agree that the appeal is not going to go anywhere. I think it's more ceremonial. He's trying to show his supporters that he is in the right and that he is fighting. But really, I think he's in a good place because this was his exit strategy out of the leadership race that he clearly had no upper, no chance at winning. And and you wonder what would have happened if he was not disqualified and was seriously in the running for the federal conservative leadership, Christina. Would he, I mean, he would have had till August 19th to declare whether he wanted to run for re-election. But how do you think things would have been in that scenario? I think that we would have seen him just, uh, come out and say that he is running for mayor. I think that this was always the plan. And from what I hear from those around him, he is happy in his decision right now, and he's happy to be running. And uh, like like we've already heard, he has great name recognition in Brampton. The ethnic communities are behind him a thousand percent. I don't think anyone has the ethnic communities behind them more than Patrick Brown. And so this is his wheelhouse. This is where he's comfortable. I think he has a very good chance at winning again. Uh, I think it's very, very difficult for anyone to try to take him down. And so this is where he was always meant to be. I think that running in the leadership right now was always about name recognition and maybe getting the opportunity to have a kick at the can four years down the road, eight years down the road, whenever we were choosing another leader. You know, Aleem, he really is a likable guy. And yet there always seems to be a lot of drama around him. Well, you can look look at it that way. I'll tell you one thing. Um, this game of, of politics is always one, uh, to use the sports analogy, at the 50-yard line. And the thing Patrick Brown has going for him is that he is a middle-of-the-road kind of guy, right? He will not take extreme views, and we've seen that in other candidates. So we'll have to see what happens. But, uh, you know, don't count this guy out. In terms of the future, I think Christina will agree um, his ambitions are, are strong. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me if, if he tries this again. We saw Christine Elliott try, you know, three or four times right. to, to become premier. Mm-hmm. I would expect Patrick Brown to, to uh, try to continue his ambitions to either become prime minister of this country or premier of this province one day. Aleem Kanji, principal of government relations firm Aleem Kanji and Associates, and Christina Midas, vice president of Upstream Strategy Group and former PC MPP for Scarborough Center. You're listening to the best of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. I'm Jane Brown. Coming up after the break, how to fix the healthcare workers shortage in Ontario. We'll discuss next. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Good isn't good enough. 
Make way for the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Healthcare advocates are demanding the Ford PCs at Queen's Park do something about the labor shortages plaguing the sector. It is a problem in all areas, but nowhere more than in primary care among family doctors. So how should this challenge be addressed? Libby asked this question of Dr. Elisa Naiman, family physician and founder and medical director of the Medical Station in Toronto, and Dr. Rose Zacharias, president of the Ontario Medical Association. Well, we've been working closely with governments coming out of the pandemic and understanding that while it was no one's fault, the crisis of the pandemic has certainly revealed gaps in our healthcare system. And we have a plan. Ontario's doctors are a trusted voice to lead us into the next stage of healthcare rebuilding. We are feeling the doctor shortage. We are feeling the overwhelm in the emergency department. And there are individual physicians and nurses and healthcare providers that are highly skilled, compassionate, high-capacity people that are working inside a broken system that needs some fixes. Uh, what specifically, Dr. Zacharias, are you advocating? So there's many points in the five-point plan. We're calling it our prescription for Ontario. talks about catching up on the missed surgical services and procedures that were put on the shelf during the pandemic. We know that 22 million patient care services were actually backlogged as a result of dealing with the crisis of COVID. So we need to catch up on that as well as big investments in community and long-term and public health care. Mental health and addiction strategies also need to be addressed. But when we're talking about doctor shortages, we know that over 1 million people in Ontario don't have a family doctor. Everyone deserves that doctor that helps navigate the system, manage the chronic disease, also to educate and walk alongside someone while they're living uh, preventative healthcare strategies to stay as healthy as they possibly can. That's what a family doctor does. We need more family doctors in the system. We are working with government, increasing the medical school and trainee spots. And uh, at the end of the day, we need to let doctors be doctors. There are doctors working very hard who are, are experiencing the burden of the administration expectations over and above the clinical duties that they do. An average family doctor will spend six hours a day documenting inside a glitchy computer system to capture all the visits and uh, and medical advice uh, and patient care that they've done during that day in their off hours and weekends. And so burnout is at an all-time high. Uh, so letting doctors be doctors, letting them do what they're skilled at is definitely part of the strategy. Well, it, it's not just the allocation in medical schools, Dr. Naiman. I mean, uh, I was reading that a whole bunch of spots for family doctor trainees, I'm not sure if it was residents or, or, or what, uh, but went unfilled this year. I mean, it, it's a specialty that people are hesitating to go into. Um, absolutely. Um, to be a family doctor is a comprehensive family doctor providing care, not episodic care, you know, walking clinic or not working in an emergency department, but caring for people is a very demanding job. And unfortunately, uh, it's not paid well. And so people are realize that why would you go into this specialty when you can do other work and get paid more? And at the same time, there's, there's system problems within the healthcare system and even amongst specialists and family doctors, and everybody is overburdened. And so this 
whole bunch of extra work gets put back on the family doctor that's actually the responsibility of the specialist. So the burnout, the abuse that we get from patients, the stress of having to, to manage the pandemic at the same time as working hard, it's just, I don't know why anybody would want to go into family medicine right now. It's, it's really, it's not worth it. There's other specialties within family, within the medicine that you'll get paid more and you won't have to deal with what we deal with on a daily basis. When I opened my, my practice, um, in 2016, I was able, because of the location where I am, to become this team-based care. And based on that, I was able to recruit doctors to come and work. If I was just a regular fee-for-service doctor, I wouldn't have been able to get any new grad to come and work. Libby's conversation on Tuesday with Dr. Elisa Naiman, family physician and founder and medical director of the medical station in Toronto, and Dr. Rose Zacharias, president of the Ontario Medical Association. This is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. You no longer have to pay the fee to renew your license plate, but you still need to renew your license plate. And because Ontario vehicle owners are not receiving notices in the mail as a reminder to renew, people are forgetting to do this and in some cases have been issued fines when caught. OPP Sergeant Kerry Schmidt joined me on Monday to discuss. I asked him how big of a problem this has become. Well, it's funny because I actually was talking to some officers just a, a few weeks ago, and they're saying they are pulling over and stopping vehicles for moving violations and so on. And when they run the vehicle's registration or their driver's license, they're coming back with far more expired or unregistered vehicles and driver's licenses than they've ever had before, and they're trying to figure out why. And, and I think it's because people are just assuming that the uh, – the free renewal uh, price is uh, no longer effective, but the uh, the fact is you still need to go and register your vehicle uh, if you're in that uh, personal vehicles like commercial trucks, motorcycles, or mopeds. Uh, you you're not getting those uh, you know yearly or bi-yearly reminders that right. you used to. Do you think, Sergeant Smith, that that is just, I mean, there's been um, a lack of communication or reminder messaging around that? And I guess that's why you've come out to tell everybody, hey, listen, if you've just had a birthday or you're about to have a birthday, go online yep. and, and renew. Exactly. That's exactly it. Like the information that, they, they, I, you know what, I think when the original message came out, we all got that message, but the only thing people heard was it's free. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, they, and, and they kind of forgot the thing that you still need to register uh, online uh, or you can still go in person and do it. Uh, but I think uh, as soon as they heard zero dollars, that was it for them. And, and they were off to the races. And uh, and beyond that, they never thought about it again. But uh, you, you, you won't be putting those stickers on your license plates, but you still need to have your vehicle registered and updated there every year or two years. There are a few exceptions. So if you're over 70 years old uh, um, for driver's licenses, or if you have to write a test to uh, maintain your driver's license, uh, that uh, will still come in the mail. Uh, if you ho- if you own or drive a, a heavy duty truck or it's jointly owned, you will still get those mess- those email or those uh, mailed in reminders. But for the bulk majority of all of us that are driving around with a, a regular passenger vehicle and have a G-Class license, uh, for the most part, you know, you're not going to get that reminder. But 
if you just go to Ontario.ca or go on that link that I posted on my little uh, tweet or Facebook page, uh, all the information is there, and you can sign up for email, text messages, or or phone message uh, reminders that will come to you uh, you know, before the expiration of your next driver's license or validation sticker for your car. Right. I put a link on our webpage as well, zoomerradio.ca. It's just basically if you Google Service Ontario, it'll take you right there. It's just to go online. All you need is your license plate number, your vehicle permit mm-hmm. number, which is there's a number on that green registration. You'll need your mileage, your, your maybe your insurance and, and a few details. If you have any outstanding parking tickets or four or seven tolls, you got to pay that too, but otherwise uh, there's no charge for the renewal of your vehicle registration. In anticipation of our conversation today, and I, I renewed my license plate a few months back, I then I got thinking, what about my driver's license and my health card? Uh, and, and those actually don't expire for me personally for a couple of years, but you're also not getting renewal uh, reminders about those as well, right? That's correct. Yeah, the so same thing goes for your driver's license or health card, you look at the expiration date on those documents and go on to Service Ontario, Ontario.ca. You can find the renewals. Now, you do still need to pay a, a, a price for the registration renewal of your driver's license. But again, you can do that all online, but you will not get that reminder in the mail. Uh, again, if, you, if you're over 70, you will. So happy birthday to all the 70-year-olds uh, turning turn over. And, uh, and if you have a, a commercial driver's license, an A, B, C, D, E, or F, uh, you will get those uh, mail reminders because there's obligations for vision and written tests and, and, and sure. other obligations that you may need to uh, satisfy before you can register or renew your driver's license. OPP Sergeant Carrie Schmidt joined me during Monday's Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown, and this is Zuma Radio's Best of Fight Back. Still to come, what you had to say about the week that was and the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Zoomer Radio, pulling no punches with the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown. Fight Back with Libby Snymer has the most informed guests on the week's hot topics, and we also rely on you for your valued opinions. Here are some of this week's best calls. Teresa in Mississauga phoned about Ontario's health care worker shortage. As most professions have people that are a little lower than themselves, and I don't have a family doctor, I'm 70 years old, and I don't want one, but I sure could sometimes maybe use a nurse practitioner for something that's not as serious. And I know that if they're qualified, they would do the trick. Lynn in Hamilton called about primary care. Family doctors, I've been really lucky. My own doctor here, if I have something urgent, I see them the same day or next day. And if it's not urgent, I got a week ahead appointment, which I was surprised by. As far as the family health teams go, I've got a family that was recommended to go to to the family health team. That person was never able to get in. The wait time's too long. They want an interview. I don't know what the history is on family health teams. They sound like a wonderful model. We need more of those. Bob in Etobicoke also called about the state of our health care system. I went to a walk-in clinic 
when you go there, and uh, the longest I've had to wait really is about 30 minutes, okay? And they say, well, what is your tale of woe? You tell them what, and they said, well, we have a doctor for that. And um, they'll refer you to it. And I find them extremely good and efficient. I, and I pick people up who are waiting in, in uh, other hospitals and complaining that they, you know, had no ride and I was supposed to pick them up. And I pick them up, I drive them there, and they're in that place a half an hour, and they're attended to. And if there's a major problem, a major problem, they're rushed across the street and they're attended by that hospital instantly. And now, Fightback's Knockout Call of the Week. There were a lot of great calls this week, but the winner of the Fightback Knockout Call of the Week is Patricia in Toronto, who phoned to say how impressed she is with Toronto mayoral challenger Gil Peñalosa, who joined Libby on Wednesday. Gil. Wow. I was just blown away with this guy. Never heard of him, but he will get my vote. He is right. The city is falling apart. The subways are full of the homeless. I was walking home last night through the subway at the center. Four people smoking up the crack in the subway. And the, the homeless are taking over the subway. That's why we have all these delays. They have an area underground. They found a subway um, that's been shut down, and that's where they're all living. And that's why we've had delays on our train. That does it for today's Best of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. If you'd like to qualify for the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week, phone us noon to one weekdays. Or if you have a comment, email us at fightback at zoomer.ca. Follow us on Twitter at fightbacklibby. And call our Fightback voicemail anytime at 416-367-9636. I'm Jane Brown. Join me again at the same time tomorrow when we'll round up the rest of the best of Fightback. The best of Fightback is produced by Jane Brown, Justin Eacock, and Zeev Hadi, with technical production by Kelly Robotham. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.